so previously in December, we had talked about, or well, on the on our little special videos, we had talked about changing the way that the podcast is going to be structured. We originally, our original purpose, rather, was to build out a a more self-help style podcast, you know, mixed in with just reality, you know, having just normal people on the could podcast. Could be anything. Yeah, yeah, could be anything. Talk about whatever. And that is still the case. But something that Noah and I both, which we both, I think we can agree on this, we we started talking more about movies and music because that's something that we really like. We are pop culture junkies. Yes. I mean, really, that's a good terminology for it. We love movies. We love music. We love TV shows. We love books. And we are totally neglecting something that we actually find enjoyable. So we're going to talk about more in depth. It's one thing to try to find a niche, but you can play to your strengths, basically. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So in saying that, we our bread and butter for this upcoming season is going to be media and music and pop culture references and stuff like that. Um, I know that's not a lot of people's cup of tea, but don't worry because we are still sprinkled in there going to have the normal interviews and our chit-chat episodes. All those are important, and that's part of the foundation of this podcast, and it's something that we still enjoy, but we would like to offer this as well for those people who like media consumption. and Well, media consumption sounds like a dirty word, but <laughs> pop culture and yeah. – enjoy the enjoy movies and music and such like that so in saying that i'm gonna push it over to noah here push it uh what are we talking about today what is our first episode on uh one thing i want to touch on music first but we will talk about uh kurosawa i i I chose the first one we didn't get a chance to finish as many movies as we liked but we're going to talk a little in depth about seven samurai and uh, his uh art style editing you know kind of around the movie itself and that's that's really it but before we get to that i want to ask any good music you've listened to in the past week <laughs> anything new that you're enjoying so especially here recently it's kind of funny uh i'm always listening to different types of music it's just something i always go seek out music but one song that's most people know of right now like in january of 2023 can you believe it's 2023 oh my no. <laughs> anyway is you're gonna laugh at me, but "Flowers" by Miley Cyrus. Oh, really? that song is actually really cool. Is that diss track that came out? It is a diss track, but I enjoy the bass line in it, and I enjoy her play on words. It's you know, if, if I'm sure all of you guys have heard the song. Uh, the video is definitely not PG, just so you know. Yeah, we don't watch the video, but the song is pretty cool. Uh, it was based off a of Bruno Mars song, uh, and it's like a diss track to the Bruno Mars song and her ex husband. And it's, I like it. I think it's cool. But uh, other than that, I've been listening to a lot of Jacob Collier. Collier? I think that's how you say his. <laughs> Somebody, someone will correct us yeah, at some point. Someone will correct us. But uh, I really, really enjoy his music. And one of the songs that's sticking with me here recently is um, Tennessee Waltz. It's one of his live stream, uh, or not live stream, live performance songs. And uh, it incorporates jazz and folk and you know that country so steel guitar yeah. and his very unique voice and it meshes it all together and honestly makes something that in my opinion is a work of art um he's also got some other songs sleeping on my dreams is a really good song it is weird 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 but i enjoy it we listened to a song in the car the other day what was that uh it was a cover of what's his name uh stevie wonder stevie wonder's Man, I can't remember. Don't worry about a thing. Don't worry about a thing. Yeah, that, that was, was phenomenal. Good. Yes. If you guys have not listened to Jacob Collier, I would suggest giving him a listen. He's not for everybody, but he's clean, and all his music has weight to it, if you will. All He expounds upon not just having a drum beat, a guitar medley, and a bass line. It's so many different instruments and so many different harmonies and so many different things going on all at once and that it just works and in my opinion it sounds really really good some people may not like it but if you're if you're an adventurist are you that's not even the right word but if you have a any ounce of oh i don't even know the right word but anyway if you want to listen to it go listen to it if you're curious if you're curious 
curiosity killed the cat, but not in this case. So, <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What have you been listening uh, to? Black Country Town Road, I think, is the name of the group. I think I showed you yeah, one yeah. or two songs. I've been listening to their album that came out. About, I forgot the it's an ants from up here or something like that. But I've been listening to a few songs from their album. They're six musicians, and I think on top of the vocalist, and they play multiple multiple instruments. So each song is like. The one song is jazzy, one song is like rock, one's folky, and they, they can switch up that a lot, and it plays really well with the vocals. Uh, Concord, and what is it, Goodwill Hunting, and ha- Harden or Halden, those are my three favorite. I had those in my likes, and I've been listening to a few times. Uh, I just really, it's really cool. The music, uh, people say music has definitely gone downhill, but in the mainstream aspect, music may have, and it's become more of a industrial process, so... I feel like that a lot of people that appreciate music more, we're not. It's harder to find. It's the accessibility is not there. But if you can dig a little bit and find stuff like this, there's a lot of good artists out there that are still producing, or up to date modern modern artists that are producing really good content. And I think this is one of these bands, and I'm excited to see more. Unfortunately, the vocalist did quit after they released that album last year, <laughs> which is like, well, I mean, I got what I got. I, I guess I'm gonna be happy for that. But I'm looking forward to more of their content in the future. Uh, music cool uh, yeah that's i guess that's it for the, yeah. the week music is very uh i love music is very as a big passion of mine um as most of you guys know i'm a musician i play bass i've I messed around with guitar i'm not great at it but i love music and i enjoy talking about this portion of it especially because there are so many types of music out there there's so much to Do offer you know uh, math rock have you heard of that? Math the, sub, subgenre? Sounds like something you listen to in elementary school. <laughs> yes. They teach you math through music. <laughs> uh, but there's a subgenre called math math rock, and it, they it's plays on different timings. They switch it up a lot. Okay. And uh, it's kind of cool to listen to, and I think it's something more musicians might find interesting than you know regular, uh, the average listener. But I just saw it on Instagram the other day. People were bashing and joking. It. I was like, man, I really enjoyed that subgenre for a little bit. I just went and saw a show. Yeah, with some locals in uh, in San Marcos uh, about two years ago, I think, and they were it was it was fun. I mean, it's a small small little like basement bar, in different rooms that were playing different uh, shows. There was one from like they were from like Taiwan. Yeah, so this band, lady, this girl was a lead bassist and vocalist. Very cool. But uh, I just thought it was funny. I saw on Instagram the other day there was a math rock video make like joking at at the genre, and uh, people were like poking fun of it just like that. It's like math rock. <laughs> what is that? Well. You know, this kind of is a segue into our uh, actual topic for the day, but it kind of reminds me of how I feel about like Akira Kurosawa's movie Seven Samurai. I think it's it's not for everybody, yeah. and I also think that people like myself find it un- unattractive. People are going to hate me for that. I think like it goes back to ties into the inaccessibility. It's it's older. I I personally I the reason I chose it is I wanted to start with something a little bit older. We're not going chronologically. I yeah. think if we're doing movies in the future. But we are, uh, I wanted to start with Kurosawa because it's a good baseline. He's an older director. Not everybody's heard of him, so we can bring him up and maybe some people will be turned on to it. But, and I also know there's a bunch of video essay content already on him. He's, he's well known in the cinema world. And Seven Samurai is honestly one of my favorites. I know it's a kind of slow, it's campy. It is. Uh, kind of hard to get into. And it took me, a, I had to restart it uh, a while back when I originally watched it. But I know you were feeling that that way, kind of when watching it. The movie, in and of itself, the plot in and of itself is great. I think it's a good movie in that regards. I don't care, honestly. This is the reason why I don't really care for the movie. Is the over exaggerated emotions that are presented throughout the movie. I like a movie founded in realism. Granted, if you look back at that time frame, you look at even U.S., which that movie came out in nineteen what fifty seven. 54, uh, so 10 years after World War II. So and a lot Japan. Of, yeah, yeah, and like like me and Noah talked about, a lot of the Japanese film at that time was influenced by what was going on in the U.S. film industry. Yeah, we were, we were still there in the 50s. Like exactly. Probably, uh, we're there a lot less now, obviously, but right. then we were still kind of occupying them. Right. So I feel like any of the, when they were rebuilding and we were helping them rebuild, uh, Western cinema, like the film Babylon that just came out, mm-hmm. was talking, if, if you've watched that, it's about the creation of Hollywood, basically. And that was around like the 20s, 30s. Mm-hmm. And so it makes sense if you look at that timeline of uh, the Western world, cinema was blowing up, and then it would spread outwards like it is even more today. But 
it, it would make sense. Some someone like Kurosawa, a talented young up and coming artist at the time, yeah. would make something that's almost like you say a western. Right. It's exactly yeah. what it felt like a samurai western. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. If you like that, you you like that. But me personally, I felt it was drawn out a little bit too long. Granted, all his shots, every one of his shots was beautiful. Even in black and white, you could <laughs> tell that that there was so much thought put into it. Uh, for starters, one thing that I noticed is every scene had a different element of weather or, well, weather was a big one. For instance, a lot of the shots when they're out in the plains or they're out in the in the hill country, uh, you have a lot of wind. And even actually when they're in the villages, you know, and then they would... There's always something going on. There's the always something going on in the background to add, uh, what do you what would you call that? Add a little bit, of, uh, add a layer to the scene. To the scene, yeah. yes, exactly. Um, it, even his still shots are fantastic because I, there was one shot that I watched where they were, all the samurai were running around this hut and you, you follow them and it's in one shot. <laughs> it's almost goofy. <laughs> it's goofy, yes, but it's I like that because it's like, it's not a lot of cutting. And when he does cut, it's strategically placed throughout the whole movie to where it feels like you're just following these people. You're not... A bad problem with a lot of newer movies is that they cut back and forth, or one thing I cannot stand, one thing I cannot really stand, is shaky cameras during fight scenes. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like it. they intentionally do that sometimes to kind of cover up anything. Some, that, some I think that's the point, but to me, it's just adding... It's adding a layer of confusion that's not necessary. If your choreography yeah, look, is that like, bad, look at a modern Marvel movie and their fights. Exactly. Like, well, Mar- Marvel is a joke in of itself yeah. right now. So, in ways, yeah, yeah. Marvel does not make good movies. They used to. I'm gonna say that. I said there's you, a few that are decent. Well, like Martin Scorsese said in one of his interviews, and I can't remember word for word, but he kind of bashed Marvel because it's like cookie cutter. Whereas Martin Scorsese and I always mess up his last name, so hopefully I got that right. All his movies have a well, a lot of his movies are based around the same actors. I did notice that in his movies, which is fine. But all his movies carry a lot of weight to them, and each story is told not the same, if that makes sense. it's all, There's always a different layer of, and I keep saying layer because, I mean, it's, it may not be the proper terminology, but there is another like level of narration and storytelling for every movie. I mean, there's some of his movies I didn't really care for. Like, I didn't really care for Taxi Driver that much, but... Did he make he take me tax driver right? I think so. I think he did. I'm not really but keen on. I, I don't know. One person I'm really excited about is Ridley Scott. Ridley I'm Scott. excited about his movies. That's he's he's one of my favorites. Um. Anyway, but we need to get back off Marvel. But I will say this about Marvel: Marvel can be a great, or the producers of Marvel, and whoever the the Russo brothers, whoever it may be, they can make good stuff. In fact, when Phase One and Two were out. You know, now we're in what phase four, five. Anyway, Got me. that was peak Marvel, in my opinion. Um, but now it's just kind of just following this bandwagon, and people are slowly getting off of it. Yeah, but like what I was bringing up for is like, I think it's a great comparison, just as a the standard of what's in cinema right now. Like, go look at a fight scene in Marvel and see how 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 it's it's choreographed, excellent. But like the camera's always moving around. And it's a great example of a lot of modern action movies, how you can't really absorb all the details. So, so something like, I'd say he's probably one of the fathers of the long shots, Kurzawa, is like long, drawn-out shots that you get to like fully take in everything that's happening in a, in, in a frame. You know? Yeah, and I misspoke. I said still shots. I meant long shots. Yeah. Long shots, not still shots. Because you, you pan over the village, and like you said, with the samurai will be following them, or you'll be following the villagers, and it really choreographs it, like what the emotion of the scene is going on. Like, Exactly. It's hard when movies focus on one person and are following one person. Yeah, you can see the bustle of the crowd or stuff in the background. But as far as like in a setting like Seven Samurai, which I don't want to, if you're interested in watching, I don't want to ruin the plot too much. But like the, the townspeople are in trouble and they hire the samurai, basically. And you get to see the emotions from the townspeople and the way they're moving. You said they're a little over-exaggerated at times, but I, that helps me see, I'm not going to, you know, get close to like 40 villagers real quick. So I see them as a group, you know? And when they're moving around in a certain way or they're, they're scared or they're, you know, overreacting to something, uh, like I understand the group really quickly, you know? And the same is with the group of samurai. 
it's like I I know I understand their motivations more when you when you when you add details like that and layers. I will say I do like I do like the um the separation that he Akura Kurosawa made or yeah what he made with the samurai and the villagers like you could tell that samurai were raised and brought up in a different yeah, oh, way yes. than the farmers <laughs> and it's really cool. I think that that is cool. I like Honestly, the movie kind of reminds me of like, like basic, like bare bones, like kind of like an Alamo, like last man yes, standing. Yeah. I think I don't know my westerns very well, especially the older ones. Yeah, but I'm assuming some of that was in part inspired by the spaghetti westerns that were coming up before. Right. Uh, and like the Alamo is a big one. I keep forgetting that thing's right there. Oh, a little lapel mic. We have two mics going on. If you want to background details. Yeah, we're testing out two different microphones. So if you hear me clicking on it, I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, the, I think, uh, I think the contrast between the villagers and the, um, samurai is something yeah. that we could talk about for a minute because if you want to let's, yeah, let's just jump into the plot Well, I don't, we don't have to outright like rank. I'm not, I don't, I don't think we're as interested in just like going through a movie ranking and everything, Four but stars out of 10. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I would be, you know, like. The ranking system is like you can go online and read a million ranks. That's not the thing here, but it is a good guide to have in place so we can talk about each part of the movie and you know, break it down a little bit more. Sure. I'd say the plot, that's a good uh and themes in general about the samurai versus the the townspeople. The samurai is supposed to be honorable and such, but uh, when you go to t- when the movie when they're looking for the samurai to hire, they all a lot of them they don't have any money to pay these guys. They're a poor little town. And so the samurai like basically spit in their face. For the most part, until they find these other guys that are genuine people, and the samurai that they get aren't like noble, noble necessarily. They're kind of like washed up, like right. Yeah, no, yeah. Especially the, I can't remember his name, but the the guy's not even a samurai. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's the comedic relief in the movie. Oh, right. it's he's, he's my favorite. But I forgot, uh, I forgot his name too. But that's a good. That's another good uh, a writing technique thing. Balancing the comedy. Yeah, it's like if you. I think you could appreciate that. Yeah, for what he was, it was a little over the top, but yeah, it was like the misfits of the samurai yes. community, and they came together, seven of them or six of them, and a seventh being the guy who's not really a samurai. He wants to be, but he's not. Uh, and they come together and defend these farmers without any pay or well, any reward in sight, and um, that I mean, I think that's cool, but the. The one thing that I want to talk about is the farmers themselves. Uh, Japanese culture is not depicted. Well, it is depicted, but the depiction of Japanese culture is your samurai. You don't hear a lot about the... Ninjas. (laughs) Yes. No, you don't hear a lot about like the farmers and the, the... Not simple, not like simple, but simple people that were... Common folk. The common folk. There you go, common folk. And this movie, though, in a weird way, it very well depicts that group of people. For I mean, does that make sense? Like, yes, they're poor. Uh, it's down to the bone. Like, yeah. at some points, they're ashamed of themselves. Exactly for their behavior, and they know that yeah. they're born into a, a a group that they can't ever leave because they were. I guess stigma. It's a, be, it's a it's, stigma, a, it's right? about well a recurring theme. If you watch, I forgot I can't, for the life of me, remember the other movie I watched one time. Uh, it might be by Kurosawa, might not might be, um, but it, it, one thing a recurring theme in these better these these good Japanese movies from that time period was uh, talking about the social class and how we typically think how the J- Japan is a bunch of honorable people, but at some points when it's down to uh, strife with the common folk and everything. Uh, honor doesn't mean anything if you're dead. Exactly. So and yeah, and that, I think that's a he tried to push that theme there. Is right. these washed up samurai are here to save the these town folk who We've got nothing. They, they they're they're desperate. Nothing. Yeah, they're desperate. And like if if you think if you've ever been desperate or you've seen are aware of what desperate people do, it's like it's not all it's not honorable at all. It's not. But, honorable but they're trying to survive. That, that's what yeah. they're trying to do. And I like that. I think that's a good. It may not be his intention. In the in the show or in the movie rather, but I really like that. I like that it puts a lot of life into not only the samurai because again, modern culture wants you to, p- to depict 
Japanese, Chinese as these honorable, especially yeah, Japanese, we, uh, Japanese culture. They yeah. wanted to be all honorable, all oh, these noble, you know, proud people, which they are. They're proud people. They're proud, just like just like America. We're it's proud like, to be American. Our the West, the Western world, and us it was like you look back at medieval times and see shine, knights in shining armor, and you hear the fables and stuff growing up. But it's not all like you that. dig into the history, yeah. and it's bloody, disease-ridden, yeah, pretty ugly at times, and some crazy yeah. stories, you know. Yeah, it's a surface level, like, and then I'd like that we visited a Japanese movie first because. And I think it means more to break the stereotypes that we typically think of another yeah. country like that. So I'll give him. So I bumped instead of my score being a ten, I bumped it up to a five. Five. Okay. So don't forget, it's a five now. No, I'm just kidding. That's a really good thing too in movies is uh, understanding the the characters' motivations. How how well like you everybody knows when you have a, a corny villain, like oh this is the lamest villain ever, you know? Yeah. Obvious. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> even. Uh, I went not Ultron. There's another Marvel movie. This like I'm just using Marvel as an example because everybody knows it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's several out there. It's just like, how well do I understand the villain and his motivations? I should be able to know why he got there at this point and he's doing the evil things. And I should know why the the motivations of the the good side, the protagonists, are even the antiheroes. Mm-hmm. It's like really grounding that out and saying, I think that Kurosawa and Seven Samurai did that. It's like over the course of the film, it's like I know it what these people these groups and peoples are going for and I, I, their actions that follow that up are, make sense so another, i appreciate that in the movie a, yeah, a lot another thing that you're you know we're talking about here uh another thing you know you're talking about villains i will say the one thing that kura does with his villains are his foes if you will in his in his movies um he leaves no context for him at all at least from what seven samurai they were just they they were bandits. pillagers, bandits. But then you, there's this there's this lingering uh, wonder, like when are they going to attack? Like throughout the whole movie, yeah. Because the movie, you're like you're, how many days left? Yeah, how many days left? Yeah. You're thinking, oh, they're going to be in the middle of getting this ravine cleared out, just you know, for a to keep them the horses from going through or whatever the scenario was in that movie, and they're going to attack them right then and there, you know, but. It leaves that lingering, like who are these bandits? What are they? When are they going to attack? Are they watching them right now? What are they doing? You know, and it builds up until the final, till the final actual battle and stuff, and it's 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 really wild. It's a, like it's it. almost like there's the bandits are just uh, a blank evil that's on the horizon, yeah. and their their struggle is their internal struggles right. between the you know, the social classes, the farmers and the samurai and whoever else. Oh, you're right. No, that's exactly. It's right. it's, it's cool. It's like it yeah, should right. be multiple. When a film is written well. I think it's punching at multiple levels. Right. And go ahead. I, I agree with you. There are certain movies, though, that need backstories on their villains. And that goes even for video games, which I'm not trying to, I don't, I know we're not about talking about video games, but, okay. but like, there's a, there's a, it's a, now a TV show just came out. Um, it's called The Last of Us. The Last of Us Part One and Two is a video game. You can play it on PlayStation. Uh, in The Last of Us Part One, you play as this guy named Joel Miller. Who has lost everything through to this this outbreak, this fungal outbreak that infects people? It's kind of like zombies, but a little bit different. Um, he loses everything. He loses his daughter. He loses everything. His home, and he's a broken man. And he goes about his life for the next twenty years being a a, a I guess a peddler because it's illegal. You know they have quarantine zones and all this stuff. So he's a peddler. He sells things. He's you know, hush hush towel stuff. Um, one sec. Oh yeah, that's gonna be a thing. Yeah, there's. We are at this beautiful location here in Lufkin, downtown uh, Lufkin. I want to thank Mark for letting us use this place as our studio. Uh, but there are some very rude people that drive their <laughs> extremely loud trucks on the road. It, we might be able to cut it out. I'll I'll try my best, but if not, just know that this. This is the face of anger. No, I'm, I'm kidding. It's a work in progress. Yes. We're figuring it out. So we want it to be natural, though. Before I go back on the last of us thing, we want this to be a natural experience. We're not sitting here with two, three, four thousand dollar cameras, looking at our faces, and we're doing the perfect we have, lighting. We, don't we have, want it to be like you are sitting yeah. in a room, like we have it set up right here. You're just sitting down chatting with us. Yes, there will be things that we change. Yes, there will be certain aspects of this podcast that we want to change. But all in all, we want it to be relaxed. And I think that's more important. Like we have discussed, even on season one, 
if everything is scripted and everything is just all so so, it's Too not stiff. it's not fun anymore. It's 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 not a hobby. It's a it's a chore. It's a job, and we just want this. Well, we want this for you guys, so you guys. We're having fun it. too. We're having fun. We want to have fun. We're first here, not yeah. you. Yeah, just like the little promo. I'm the center of attention, <laughs> not you. Yeah. Anyway, back on the Last of Us. Um, have you watched it yet? I've watched the first episode. The second episode good, comes out really tonight. good. Don't spoil anything because I I haven't played the game. I don't know anything about it. Anyway, I know zombies or something like well, that. Well, anyway, so I'm not going to spoil it. I have to tell them this. Anyway. In part two, you are well. In part one, you meet this girl named Ellie, who is, who has been infected, but she can't actually turn, so she's immune. And at first, you're you're hesitant to do this. You know, you really don't want to, but then you she ends up becoming like a second daughter to you, who kind of takes the place of your daughter that you lost twenty years ago. I know that's sounds kind of backwards, but Joel finally finds a sense of hope. And I'm not going to spoil the plot of that that one. But in The Last of Us Part 2, there's something that happens, and those of you that have played the game will know this, but there's something that happens in Part 2 that absolutely just wrecks those that really got connected to Joel as a character. And you're, you're left wondering why, 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 why. But the good thing about it is, though it was a controversial move by the... Uh, Publishers of the game, Naughty Dogs, which is a funny name, but they make they make some of the best games out there. Honestly, uh, you actually learn the backstory of this character that makes you question why, 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 and it's something that is honestly really, really cool. And that is when I think it's important is when you do a one eighty on a plot or. I really want to spoil it. I know I no, should, but please don't. Those that know what I'm talking about for The Last of Us, if not, you can go look it up. Um, just like those movies that have that random plot twist, a lot of the lingering questions is why did they do that? And so I really enjoy it when they they spend a little bit extra time, whether it be a movie or a film or a game or whatever, and they they draw it out a little bit. That to me is great. But in the case of Seven Samurai, it's not necessary. It's just a good versus evil story. The the plot of it, though, or not the plot, but the 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 general story is good versus evil. But is what's in the middle, what's the gray parts? The gray parts is what is actually important. On it's a lot more relatable. Yeah. yeah, that's why I, that's that I will say I enjoy. Again, the only reason why I didn't like the movie as much as I would it is a little long. campy, campy and long. But that's it. Yeah. So, what did you think of the the score, the sound soundtrack? It was really like at some point. It, it was very sparse. Yeah, which is a good thing. I love music, obviously. I like well timed music, but I like well timed music. Yeah. I don't think every scene needs to have a song. Sometimes that quiet in the background and leave the let the dialogue play out is more important than filling it with background noise. I think um, in a world of distractions, it's nice to sit down when you're engrossed in a movie. It's like. There's no distractions from that character in the moment too. He's like, he's making, let's say he had some terrible news and he's taking it in and he's like focused and he's like, his demeanor is like kind of sad, but he's, he's stoic about it. Like you're fully capturing that and then it leads on to the next scene right. and you've had time to digest it. Right. So, yeah, the, I think the score was pretty good. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. A little old. I mean, it's, it's what, 60, 70 years old now. It's not my yeah. favorite score. Yeah. I think, honestly, Interstellar has one of my favorite scores still. Yeah. That's uh, Star Wars, obviously, you got Star Wars. You can't you can't ever really beat Star Wars. Yeah. Well, like, especially Andor. Andor had a fantastic soundtrack. Andor was excellent. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it was okay. I'm not going to say it was mediocre, but I, I do appreciate his, his play with the music, though, his, how far he's, spread it out like it wasn't just every scene had a song it was when it mattered like when they when, need, when, when you're like needed. walking through the market it's, yeah um there's music like kind of business-like music playing <laughs> it sounded like they were using uh i could hear the sound men in the background clopping <laughs> with yeah. the, for horse noises now now what's cool though what i really enjoyed was with him setting up scenery and adding layers to it by adding wind you know chimes whatever it may be horse hoof print or hoof sounds whatever you want to call it. Uh, 
that added layers to it that were not need that music wasn't needed to cover that up as well. For instance, I think one of the one of the scenes where uh, he he's recruiting the samurai these these um, outcast samurai. Um, there wasn't a lot of music during that that scene. It was like a, a good thirty minutes actually worked. If you've seen scenes. like black and white movies in the past, you grew up on them. Like I remember Old Yeller. There's just moments where they're sitting in a little house and there's nothing playing. It's just like somber. And so it has a lot of those. Yeah. yeah. Again, where they where they're they're pulling their culture from the U.S. at the time. Now, granted, right now, Japanese and Korean Korean films are becoming honestly sometimes better than American yes. films. Well. It, We've all, we've been at the the U.S. has been like in the center of attention as far as media has gone for decades and it's still dominant around the world. But we're now we're seeing other countries uh, give us good competition, which is good for us. I mean that's great. More media, more accessibility to other cultures uh, to see what their point of view is. It's really cool. Oh yeah. Uh, and this is but I think for the time, I would I would I would uh, applaud uh, this film, mm. like especially if you think the context when it came out. We've come a long way. I mean, you got to think that's that's ten years after World War Two. Yeah, and to me, that in of itself is honorable to be able to produce a film that's that's enjoyable to watch in ten years' time. You know, I think I think that's cool. Doesn't um, quite make up for the Japanese war crimes, but it's okay. It's it's a good start. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> I just have to say it. Yeah, I know that's funny, but well. That's not funny. That's but not funny. that's not funny. <laughs> it's funny that we're anyway, not anyway, we're moving on. Um but yeah, I you know, we could beat around the bush on this this movie all day long. I do want to I do want to interrupt you real quick. I say I think the last thing so what was your favorite scene from it? Cuz I could tell you mine. Sorry again on the mic. Uh for favorite scene Honestly, whenever I cannot remember his name, when it was that original duel between the two guys. Oh, uh, one of the later, the older samurai. Yeah, yeah, the older samurai who was very calm, cool, and collected. Fought that guy that was very. I cannot remember. I wish I remember their names. It's hard to keep up with their names. It was all over the foreign place. film. Yeah. I apologize, but uh, the contrast between young, rash, and um, they had a little bit of everything in their group, didn't they? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But whenever they no, the one that he killed. Oh, that's what I'm okay. talking about—the actual standoff. Oh, the actually like a uh, contrast between the two. Yeah, yeah. He would the the samurai that you follow. One of the samurais that you follow is a very calm, cool, collected man who keeps to himself. He's kind of a loner, and uh, when you meet the guy in the movie, there's this there's this conversation between him and a more well a younger, more pimping your step, if you will, youthful samurai who wants to prove that he's the best. And uh, that, That's the common thing is like, I want to be the best samurai. Yeah. Right. And he's constantly picking at this guy throughout that scene. And then finally, he draws a sword. Not not the old man, but the young man draws a sword or a katana, whatever, whatever you want. I don't know what it was. Yeah. Uh, on the elder man. Well, the elder man just calmly gets himself into position and... I think he even warns him, if I remember correctly. He warns him. Yeah. But the way that the shot is, it, the way that that shot is well, shot. <laughs> it's filmed. Yeah. Filmed, whatever. Uh, it doesn't ever move. It's just, uh, you have the people in the background, the other the samurai back. watching as well. Yeah, and the way that it transitions between the people watching to the actual fight, you could see their expressions. Now, granted, again, like I said, from the from. The one of the reasons yeah, I don't like it helps movie. feel like I'm it there. It was campy. It was yeah. a little campy. Like the expressions were a little yeah. bit overboard. But that scene in and of itself is one of my favorites because in the background you see the the oh what do they call those things? Uh, the fence or the wall? No, the they have the wall, but then they have the building right next to it. Yeah, I don't know if that's a specific type of building. They just look like a little kind of rundown anyway, place. Then you see the then you see the uh, the the masses on the left hand side of the shot, and it never moves from that shot. Uh, only to only to shoot over to the expression of the people, but uh, I think that's my favorite scene because you. It's not really because of how pretty it is. It is a pretty shot, but it's because of the contrast. Because you're watching these two guys during this fight, you're seeing the calm, cool, collected old man and the the brash young man who's trying to prove himself, and you can see it through their actions and how they are 
talking back and forth and how this man is preparing for the battle and how this man's preparing for the battle. It's it that in of itself makes that my favorite shot. Now I do like a lot of the shots about midway through the scene or the the movie. I'm sorry, like when they're up on the mountain and it's got all the flowers. It's when when the younger samurais with that girl. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah they, if that was in color, that would be beautiful. That would be beautiful. Yeah, I bet it's the white and red flowers. But you can still like you can tell there's a lot in that going on in that uh, mm-hmm. shot. I wish I wish they had some color back then because a lot of the older movies, well, they didn't rely on CGI at all. And they had to film on location or they had to find locations that met their narrative or met their scene that they had in mind. So I, w- <laughs> I wish they could, were able to do this. I know on some they're able to, but or I wish they would on all. I know it's an expense, but remastering color, man, that would be... It's probably just yeah, a great expense. It would be a great expense. You mean like can with you imagine the, some of these older movies? Like Peter Jackson, on the he did, did the World War I documentary, I think, in color. I actually watched that. That's pretty a, good. I need to watch fantastic. it. Fantastic. Yeah. It'll leave it, it, that Peter Jackson. That I can't. I think I can't remember the name of it, but I, I did watch it. Uh, it's very somber and it's very sad because that that's not like that's not made up footage. That no, is actual. That's over a hundred years ago. I yeah. think there's stuff on uh, YouTube of like old clips in New York and a horse and buggy before cars were invented, like the old old footage, and it's just kind of crazy, surreal. Because most of the time you see it is through documentaries and movies, but it's dramatic, dramatized, uh, but like stuff like that. It's it's cool, but yeah, I would love to see maybe if AI improves or something, some fancy stuff. uh, We could have that more of those black and white movies colored if if that's an option. Yeah, just for scenes like that at least. The uh, I will actually speaking on that. I watched a video before I came here today about Houston before. Like in the 1920s, oh, 45. Oil. No, it was, I mean, Houston still had their big buildings, but yeah. like ranches were super close. Were they? Yeah. They're like in the city? They're, they're, yeah, like close around, to the city. That's like cool. right, like I would love to be in a ranch and drive uh, 10 minutes to downtown. Uh, I'll share a, vi- a picture of that on uh, social media, on the social, uh, could be anything social media, and then I'll also share it with you. Okay. Uh, it's, I was like, wow, I didn't realize the amount of development that has happened in the last. 40, 30, 30, 40 years. Yeah. And it, it moves I mean, fast. Longer than that. It's been, you know, more than 30, 40 years. But I mean, Houston's a huge, huge, and it's still growing. How many more people can you fit? <laughs> it's a big pancake. Anyway, um, I really kind of summarizing how I feel about the movie. And you really hadn't talked much about it. Here, let me, have. I haven't said my favorite scene yet. Oh, before. oh sorry, sorry. Um, you know, the part where they have. <laughs> they have the they have the scene where they find the they had armor and weapons yeah from the samurai some other samurai they could so you, scavengers off war like these farmers will find wounded uh, men from battles kill them to take their goods and armor because I mean no one else is there they're dying slowly in the battlefield anyways and the samurai that went to help them find that and they're it's all they their villagers almost ashamed and they they put it in their face. But then one of the the characters that the the comedic uh, comedic relief or whatever, but one of the main characters says like he like breaks down in front of the samurai almost and saying like very emotional. And he's like, I know what this is from. He didn't say leave him alone, but basically the samurai, being such a noble from a no, noble background, um, get to understand the perspective of the farmers, and it's like like and it reinforces that honor doesn't mean anything if you're just trying to if you want your to feed your kids. Yeah, like it doesn't mean that social status doesn't mean anything. Exactly. But like, how emotional and that was one of one of the most emotional parts of the movie. I, I thought that character delivered that excellent, and the whole scene. The villagers are outside. The samurai inside. They're angry at the villagers. It's like, why even help them if they've killed you know fellow people of our social class? And then like that character uh, gets onto both of them, and is angry, upset. You know, storms out. But his monologue in that scene was it was great. I want to rewatch that now. I forgot about that yeah. scene. No, but that is a good scene. Yeah, that is a good scene. Uh, I didn't. I didn't have the. It didn't carry that much weight with me. Okay. Uh, not that it was a bad scene. I thought it was a good scene. I thought it was great, and I do agree with you. The monologue was great, but uh, I. I don't feel like that was needed. That may sound weird. Some of you may disagree with me. I don't feel like that scene was needed to progress the story. Uh, we can all be wrong sometimes. But, okay. 
again, this is my world and you're living <laughs> in it. So yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, that's just my opinion on it. it. Not that it wasn't. It's fair. I think you could cut out some of the film and still have the main message and everything still sure. be there. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's what movies are. They they have to fluff it. You know, or they'd be like an hour hour movie. Well, like think also think back then, if I'm living in the fifties, is like I'm going my uh what is probably like seven to five, six to five job, and like I go out to the theaters, um, and it's like that's only one of the only entertainment, a newer form of entertainment. It's cool. I'm probably I could probably spend three to four hours in a theater, but now you know we're so busy, it's a little obviously cut down more. So. Streaming off your phone has made movie theaters almost obsolete. Yeah, and you know what's sad is you'll never get the same experience. On your phone, I'm not trying to go off on a different. I, know, I think most platforms that people have, not many, majority of Americans don't have 50k to drop on a, a beautiful sound system at home and and uh, the whole theater experience and more. But so the theaters is most of what most of us have, you know. Like more more recent Avatar in the movie theaters. Oh yeah. man, that movie. That's the only way to watch that and actually enjoy it. Uh. Granted, you know, if you have a nice sound system, you could you can make do and a good TV. Uh, and prices are coming down on TVs that would present a good image. Audio is the only issue. Audio is expensive. Uh, sound bars are great, but they don't really offer that full range of yeah. sound that you can get from a. It's still just not seven and one or something like that. You know, what not I'm saying? quite the same at home. Yeah, um, but man, that movie, I, I even. The Batman, the twenty twenty one Batman movie, which they, this is for another episode. We'll actually talk about that movie in another episode later in the month, later in the year, rather. Um, like that movie is, I watched it three times in the theaters. Oh yeah, I did too. Uh, what would you rate if that bat, the newer Batman versus the Avatar that just came out? I'm a I'm a Batman fan. Okay. There's no comparison. Batman had the better acting and the better plot and the better, well, everything. But something that keeps James Cameron relevant is his ability to push the boundaries on what is possible. Avatar 1. No one would have ever thought to make a computer-generated movie. A completely computer-generated movie. Right? He made Avatar. On, on like AAA title, yeah. Yeah, he made Avatar, and then after that he made Angel or something like that, right? You remember that? Oh, um, was it Angel? Battle Angel or something? Battle Angel. At least Battle was. Angel. That was all CG, CGI. You know. And because they, 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 I don't think they were, like some movies were trying to embrace it, but they weren't. That was the first movie that really like. Polar Express has got it too. <laughs> well, that's animated. Yeah. Uh, But like. That's actually CGI, isn't it? Mocap. That's not. It's a animated. mix, I think. It's animated. It's but it, 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 the first Avatar was like the first one to embrace it fully and make it an, like an art form kind of. Yeah. And then you look at the Avatar 2, the new one, or the Way of Water, whatever you want to call it. Uh, some of those shots, you it almost looks like it's absolutely real. Like, I mean, when I mean like absolutely real, I mean like it's like one of the Navi or whatever they're called are standing right here next to me. That's it. That's how real it looks. Right here. Crop one in right here. <laughs> Add that in post. No. Some blue I, person here. You know, you know darn well I can't do that yet. <laughs> we will get there, but not right now. Uh, but... The spectacle of James Cameron is his ability to push the boundary. Not necessarily that his movies are the greatest things since sliced bread, but yeah. uh, I mean, Avatar. I mean, it's proofs in the pudding. It's doing really good right now. So, and Batman did good, but Batman's a niche market. A lot yeah. of people don't like Batman. I have another question for you. When you first sit down the first time watching a movie, what is something you pay attention to the most? Because like with Avatar, for me, uh, I sit. I have the story and the characters are more important to me than the cinematography at first. Uh, and I personally didn't like Avatar as much when I first watched it. It's the second one because of that. That's funny. Yeah. Uh, cause I'm actually all about cinematography and act acting. Yeah. Those two things are very important to me. Those are the first two things I watch. Typically, you know, there are some times that the score, if the score is really good, I obviously notice it. Um, like Batman, like Interstellar. You know, there's more movies out there that have good scores, but those are the two that come to my mind right off the top of the head, not right off the top, of whatever. Gotcha. Anyway, um, when I watch a movie like The Batman, 
because that's what we're talking about is because that's what I've been talking about. Um, I pay attention to cinematography, how the shots are created. Is there CGI? Because I really don't like CGI that much. I think that that's lazy writing unless obviously do something like Avatar where it's all CGI. <laughs> but uh, I think it's lazy. Like if you say, oh, well, you know, this guy has a, well, a good example, Star Wars. Star Wars Episode 1, 2, and 3. As much as I love... <laughs> it's a little dated now. I love 1, 2, and 3. Dated. I grew up on those 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. And 3 is my favorite. 3 is the hands down the best Star Wars movie ever made. Uh, fight me on that. 5 is not that good. 5 is good, but 3 is better. Oh, you get some fights on that. I'll get some fights on that. 5 is good, 3 is better. I fall asleep watching 5. That's sad. Really? I Well, not all the time, but yeah. one time me and a buddy of mine were... We were, uh, I had gone to call station for something and we ended up hanging out and watching Stars Episode 5. I passed out. I, I don't know. I don't even remember falling asleep. I just remember waking up when it was over. I'm like, wow, that's sad. Yeah. But, uh, it's funny. It's, it's the most critically acclaimed one, too. And it's yeah. sad. It's sad on my part because I love it. I love all Star Wars. Like, I've watched five probably, oh, man, way more than I probably should. But, uh, three, in my, my opinion, is probably the better one. But the problem with the prequels is not that, and we're way off topic, I apologize, but the problem with the prequels is George Lucas's vision didn't have the budget. Does that make sense? Time, yeah. Like, there's a lot of scenes, I, if you look at 7, 8, 9, as much as we don't like them. He's really ambitious. Yeah. As much as we don't like 7, 8, 9, there was a lot of scenes in that movie that were not CGI, that were practical effects. But that but in one, two, and three, a lot of that was CGI. Instead it's the two thousands, they were taking advantage of the yeah, but trying, it, trying to take the technologies. Like you said before, James Cameron came out with Avatar. They were trying to adopt it, but they hadn't like perfected it in some ways. So, in that situation, I don't, I don't know. CGI is obnoxious, in my opinion, because that that made for me. It's Star Wars. It's always gonna be nostalgic. But like, there's other movies that I've watched that the CGI is absolutely awful, like Mummy. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. The, but, so it's like it ruins the whole experience for me. So when I'm watching like the Batman or I'm watching Avatar or I'm watching whatever it may be, if there's shots that I'm like, oh, that does not look right, then it bothers me. And I really think that they should just not put it in there. So I look at CGI, I look at acting, and I look at the overall shots and cinematography. That's what I look at. Then typically my second time through is score, uh, overall plot, stuff like that. I'd say, I'm, yeah, I'm the opposite. I don't, I could be a lot more forgiving, I guess. It, on the visual aspect and maybe even the sound even though it sounds I don't think I'm not a filmmaker but I feel like sounds not as hard to do Yeah, I mean obviously an orchestra I'm not going to downplay them thank you Hans, Hans Zimmer I'm not, not downplaying John that Williams. at all don't but, forget Hans Zimmer hey I mean you said but, Hans Zimmer but don't forget John Williams John Williams yeah there's a million of them you better watch yourself that man's a legend yeah. a legend but I if there's a, like an element of the human experience and a good story and the characters are understandable or relatable. Uh, that's what I look at first. So we have kind of opposite. Yeah, that works. That's funny. That works well. Yeah, it works well for this podcast because we contrast. <laughs> or we we uh, we'll butt heads a couple times. Those we've only seen the movie one. Let's say we go into the future, not watch. Neither of us have seen the movie because I've seen Seven Seven Samurai before. Rewatched it with him, and but going forward in the movies we haven't seen yet, that'd be a good good way if we've only have time to watch it once. We can, I can attack that and you can attack the other. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Going back to Samus Seven, seven Samurai, um, overall, I'm just going to give a, a review or a summary of my overall experience. I enjoyed it. I really did. Would I watch it again in the next six months? Probably not. I probably, I may watch it next year. It's like a rich dessert. It's not a rewatch for me. It's a rich dessert. You're gonna have to come like you don't want it all the time, but you can maybe come You're back to have it. To future. Come back to it to appreciate it. Yeah. Um. I I mean, if we're not rating it, but if I were to rate it, it would be somewhere around an eight and a half, because it's almost perfect. If the, I'm telling you, if it wasn't so campy and the expression, the expressions and how they were portrayed in the show, wasn't so awkward, I would have loved it a lot more. Um. I think Akura Kurosawa, Akura Kurosawa, that is so hard to say without getting tongue-tied. <laughs> I feel like he was on to something great, and it's actually proven throughout the rest of his films in his career. Um, he makes some, some of his other films are fantastic. 
Um, and I would suggest anybody to watch him because most of his stuff is clean. I mean, not yeah. not like clean by today's standards. Uh, you know, it's a samurai show, so there may be a little bit of blood and stuff like that, but there's not a lot of filth, if you get what I'm saying. That, yeah. Does that make sense? PG. Yeah. For the most part. You're not watching Wolf of Wall Street, which is, I mean, it's an okay show. I probably, that's one of my only, that's, I don't that's like It's an interesting comparison. It's an interesting comparison, but <laughs> that, that show's disgusting. Anyway, um, so yeah, well, I mean, what would you, how would you summarize this whole thing up? How would you tie it in a bow and send it off? Uh, I'd say, I'd give it, I probably have the same score. I'd have to do it like to me. Anything that can, I'd love to rewatch over and over for a while, or several times, like a year or something. Uh, not just movies, but anything. I'd say that gives me a, more towards a perfect score. So I'd say eight, eight and a half. Uh, yeah. Worth watching. That's for yes. sure. It definitely is worth watching. And you know, I'm gonna get off of the Seven Samurai for a minute, just because it kind of came to my mind. Um, during this process of us doing this media, movies and music stuff, and this is the first episode is I'm kind I'm trying to lay the groundwork as well, me and Noah are for the future. You know, obviously we start with Akira Kurosawa and I think we can go in more depth into more depth than what we have and we will in new and upcoming episodes. But really I really wanted to get set the precedent now that we want you guys to talk to us. We want you guys to share your opinions on movies, uh, give us suggestions on movies, uh, directors. It doesn't have to be just a movie. It can be directors, you know, different producers. You could do even songwriters. We'll even watch movies based off like John Will- movies that John Williams produced the music on or whatever, directed the music, not produced. Whatever we want to do. Yeah. Whatever. Dark thing. Uh, I I want to hear from you guys. It's important that we hear from you guys. Please give he- feedback. Uh huh. Not we're not begging for it, but it's it's important that so that we can hone in our skills and hone in who our audience needs to be and what we're what we're actually here for. And um, engagement too. Yes, engagement helps a lot because you know if you're not if there's no engagement whatsoever, you kind of get kind of put out and burned out. Just being honest. But anyway, um. This is the very first episode. We hope you guys bear with it. We hope you guys enjoy it. And I think next, we're going to do this every two weeks. We may have an episode in the middle, but I don't think we're going to do video for that one. I think it's just going to be chit-chat if we have it. Yeah. That chit-chats and interviews are going to be when we feel like having them. And I think we're going to do rough schedule is every three months we're doing an interview. And then we'll have chit-chats when we feel like doing it. Not feel like, like lazy, like, oh, I don't feel like doing it, but more like, when it comes. When when we have a, a topic that we really feel like we need to talk about. Um, those will probably not be, at first, be videoed. Pro- I mean, we'll see. We'll see. We'll play that by ear. Keep following. Yes. We hope you guys enjoyed. See you guys on the next one. Thank you, guys.